hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. And I want to teach today about one of the blessings that comes when we are faithful to do what God directs us to do. Check this out. We're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 40, starting, and we're going to go all the way to verse 48. Why don't you turn there with me? Hi, welcome to Chew On That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And I'm excited that you're joining us today for this podcast where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon uh, that was taught at Life Church in Green Bay. This week, it's a it's a one-off by our friend, Dr. Alan Griffin. Uh, I'm not even sure that there was a title for this sermon. I'm just going to go with Touch. Because I feel like he tuxes, talk tuxes. He doesn't wear a tux. He doesn't... Uh, he doesn't act like Tennessee Tuxedo, which was a cartoon when I was a kid. There was this penguin, and he was Tennessee Tuxedo, and then there was this one touch, like the diabetes monitor. So that's <laughs> funny if you're diabetic, not funny if you have no idea what I'm talking about. And then Tennessee Tuxedo had this friend Chumley, and he was a walrus. And so this penguin and this walrus had like these cartoon adventures. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so... He was talking about touch, meaning Dr. Alan Griffin, talking about touch, one touch, apparently. Uh, listen, we're going to talk about that. Today, joining me today is my friend Tara. Say hi, Tara. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. Tara, I know a lot, not a lot of people, actually, I'm going to lie, because I was about to say not a lot of people know you, but I feel like as many things as you do around church, maybe everyone knows you, but oh. I don't, maybe for like the two or three people that are listening that don't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, well, my name's Tara. I was born and raised in Green Bay, left for a little bit for college, but came back. Where did you go to college? I went to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. Shut up, really? Yeah. Like, so the university? The university. What like, do they call it? I feel like what they call it something for short. Twin Cities. Is that what they call it? Yeah. They don't call so, it the U? The U? Well, yeah, the U. Yeah? Like, right. ski Yuma, go Gophers. Right. Pastor Sean's alma mater. Right. It right? is Pastor Sean's alma mater. Although, is it your alma mater if you graduate or not graduate? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if you went there, you kind of own it, right? Yeah. It reminds me of the movie Fargo because when uh, Jerry goes to his parents-in-law, he's like, what you, what you watching, Jerry? Gophers. Because he's watching gopher hockey. Anyway, never mind. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I am married to my husband, Nick. Um, we've been together for 12 years, married eight. Um, we have two kids. Um, we have our son is seven and our daughter is three. I am a stay-at-home mom currently. I also have a small business that I sell craft goods, and I work part-time for a local photographer. That's nice. I love that. I heard that that photographer is really, really good. Yeah, he is really good. Yeah. Super good. Yeah. So if you need someone, just reach out to Terrence. She'll tell you how to hire that guy, because he's fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Anyway, so what did you study when you went to Minnesota? Psychology. No kidding. Yep. I don't think I knew that. No. No. Huh. No. Yeah. Psychology, and then I minored in the sociology of law, crime, and deviance. It's a mouthful. Because you, you grew up, though. Your dad was a cop. He was, yes. Yeah. So is that the director you wanted to head? Not as being a cop, but something like in... Yeah, I wanted to work in the prison systems with youth. Wow. Yeah. Is that still a possibility for you? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Who knows though, right? Yeah. Huh. So interesting. Yeah. I guess I never knew that. You're also a beauty queen. I attempted to win Miss Green Bay a couple times yeah. with no success, but it was fun. I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. What does it make you? A beauty contestant? A contestant, yeah. Yeah. And that was still like where they referred to it as like a beauty contestant. I don't feel like mm -hmm. that's a thing. You're certainly beautiful enough to be a beauty oh, contestant. Thank but you. like it yeah. And you and I met 
in your old job. Correct. Yes. At Dubois, speaking of tuxedos, <laughs> right? Tennessee tuxedo, because <laughs> uh, you were you worked at Dubois as a something, some kind of something. Yeah, I um, worked at Dubois for um, I think seven or eight years. Started off in the on the sales floor, and then I ended up in the office as the office manager. So that's when gotcha. our paths crossed. Was that? Yeah, I love that, and we've yeah. been friends ever since. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about One Touch from Dr. Alan Griffin. And uh, so we'll listen to that first soundbite just now. Your relationship with Jesus does not weaken him. Your desires and your needs from Jesus do not take away from his vast resource. In fact, he says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be opened. That means this, we can ask anything. We can trust him with everything and we can seek him with any problem, situation, or thing we're facing, and he will stand with us. Here, he, I feel like he's talking, he, this was just after he was talking about the woman with the matter of blood or something like that. <clears throat> it's, I don't think anyone really knows what that was all about. There's just a lady that had like a blood condition that she just couldn't stop bleeding. And I don't know if that was like a, like a girl thing or it was like, I don't like her big toe was always bleeding. I don't know what it was. I think probably, I feel like it was a girl thing. Anyway, that part's not important, but what was Alan was talking about here was how Jesus said he felt the power leave him when she touched uh, the hem of his garment. And I love what Alan says here when he, the very first thing he says is that, that there's, there's no there's no end to Jesus's power or his love or his benefit. Like he doesn't like, there's not a finite amount of that. So like it leaving him to go into this woman to help heal her doesn't mean, doesn't deplete him. Right. And it's such a deep thing to start off with, but I love that because some people feel like, because we only have so much love to give to other people or we almost have, we only have so much energy or time or I don't know, whatever to share with other people. So we think that Jesus must work the same way, that there must be finite. I love that Jesus is not finite, that Jesus loves me and I can be his favorite, but he can love you and be, you can be his favorite too. Like I just, you know, there's no, everyone's his favorite. Like there's not just one favorite for him. And I love that about who Jesus has proven to be in my life that, you know, in the difficulties that I've seen, um, I know that there's an endless supply of Jesus for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think like they talk a lot in the Bible, they'll use like the reference of like parent and child and yep. how like God loves us more than like we love our kid. Like yeah, that yeah. comparison, like how much we love our children and like God loves us more than that. Like I can't even imagine. And then he has that love for everybody. Right. So, and then there's like the whole concept of that, Jesus would have came and died on the cross, even if I was like the only person yeah. on earth. Like, yeah, the whole thing would yeah. have been done for us. The whole, for everything in the Bible, all the all the Old Testament that points to Jesus and all the New Testament that fulfills those promises in Jesus, like all that would have happened if it was just us. Right. Yeah, and I love that. It's just crazy. And so it's <clears throat> in a world where it seems like no one cares about us or it's hard to find someone that cares about us or we're just kind of made to feel that way. Even, even though that... Like, I don't know that it's true for everybody. Like, there's certainly some people that are unloved. Mm -hmm. But most of us feel unloved because we're with people that don't know how to love us or I don't, we don't see the love and the things that they do because we don't take the time to figure that out. Yeah. And so, but I, but I love that idea that, that we can be loved in that way. You know, there's this, um, there's this guy that goes to church with us at uh, LC downtown on Sunday nights. And he's at this crossroads in his life where he's trying to figure out like who he is. 
and I, he keeps feeling forsaken by his parents, by the system, by society, by his friends, and, and now by Jesus. And he's like, I just, you know, how can I not catch a break? You know, anybody's, you know, I feel like he's got this expectation of what other people's love for him looks like and even what Jesus's love for him should look like. Yeah. And I feel like some, some of us operate in that space a lot. And so like when we, when we think about our faith, we, we don't take full account of Jesus or we don't give Jesus full credit because we're not being loved. Like, look, I'm going to church. Can't you cut me a break and let me win the lottery? Right. Or, you know? And so like, we've got this, like as though Jesus and, and God are like very God brother and father, right? Like they should yeah. be granting our wishes. And when they're not, then what am I even doing going to church? Right. Why would I even bother going to church or trying to live Right. Why would I even bother? Because I'm not getting what I feel like I deserve anyway. Yeah. Or there's what mentality of, oh, God won't give me more than I can handle, which is just so not true. Right. So it's, you know, he'll, you'll, you get what you get, you yeah. know, and yeah. he's there to support you and help guide you through it and turn, you know, the bad into good. But, you know, like he's not going like, to. Yeah, it's just not theologically sound that saying. So to, yep. but a lot of people have that mentality, and then they get angry at God, like, "Why would you do this to me?" Yep. Well, you know, it's not how that works. Right. Yeah, that was never the promise that He would, you know, give you not give you more than you can handle. Yeah. Life is life. Yeah. You know, the circumstances are circumstances. The benefit of God in your life is you got someone to figure it out with. Right. You know, and sometimes you know people even in that, some people get like mad or disappointed because. God's not doing it enough or pulling his own, his, his own weight in right. the relationship. And so, but we don't surround ourselves with Jesus in other ways. Cause I feel like we talk about it a lot, you know, both at LC downtown and in Alpha, like where you have to surround yourself like in his word, right. And in prayer and, you know, with worship and all those other things, but like nothing's more tangible than surrounding yourself with people that love you and love Jesus. Because I mean, that's where the physicality of who God is in our our relationship with him, that really matters, right? That people that can give you godly counsel or loving counsel, not just people that are trying to get something from you or trying to, you know, keep you like you were like, you shouldn't ever surround yourself with people that just don't want you to grow. Right. You know? And so, and you know, good Jesus friends. I mean, that's everything for me. It is. Yeah. Yeah, because they'll help you grow, but and they'll be nice and kind and loving, but they'll also like call you out yep. when you need to be called out, but in a loving way, yep. not to be spiteful or mean, but like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this, or you, you could improve here. So that's yeah. so so helpful to have. I love that. Alan, are you saying that I'm supposed to touch people with COVID nineteen? You're missing the point. The point is this: touch is godly. Touch is important. And whatever we have to do to make sure that people in our world receive the touch of kindness and love and generosity, we must, we must do it. It's a crazy time in our world to have a conversation about touching, right? Because I mean, like touching to begin with is always an awkward conversation. It's even more awkward in COVID where like, I don't know, like being around people isn't right, you know, in a lot of ways and certainly touching people that live outside of your home. That's what we're doing that. So I love that he clarified the conversation that it wasn't just, he's not just talking about physically touching, but he's talking about how you can, how we should be infiltrating people's hearts with our heart, like Mm -hmm. touching them in that way, like in a more figurative uh, way. And so I love that he talks about that because, um, 
I don't feel like our faith is something that we can, and we just talked about Jesus friends, but I don't think it's something that we can pursue on our own. Like there's a big segment of people that talk about how I don't need to go to church. I don't, I can just do church on my own. I can just go spend time in the woods and spend time with God. And that's enough church that I'll ever need. And I, and I love that idea. And I love the idea of spending time in God's creation to appreciate who God is. But I mean, apart from maybe like weird hermit people or monks or something, like I feel like, and even monks, like the whole purpose of of a monastic life is to like spend time with other brothers or other sisters isolated, but isolated together to try to work it out. And there's nothing that Jesus said that ever said, Hey, separate yourself from everybody else and try to do this by yourself. It seems like everything that Jesus said and then everything that Paul amplified about what Jesus said, you know, says be there for your neighbor. Like you're both your fellow believers and your fellow neighbors who are non-believers like to, to, to speak into their lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I, I feel like it's a challenge for a lot of us because we feel like our faith is such a personal thing. And while that decision is true, living our faith is not like a personal thing. It's like something that should be broadcast, something that should be, you know, poured out again, not, not trying to change other people's belief to what we believe, but definitely loving them like outrageously. Yeah. Definitely. And I just, religion can be one of those things that we just try to keep under our hats because we're like, oh, you shouldn't talk about politics and religion. And I mean, that's in a lot of ways true, only to the extent that I'm not supposed to try to convince someone of my faith, but I, but I am supposed to convince them that they're loved. Right. Yeah. I really liked how he kind of tied it back to not being all the time, like a phys- like you hear touch and you think automatically what are like physical touch, like hugs and things like that. But it can be something that you can do by giving like your blessings to other people. So yep. um, just, you know, praying for them or helping them out in their time of need, you know, whatever that you can do. Um, we talked about it at downtown church last night, like on a scale of one to 10, like, are you a hugger? You know, and some people aren't. There's those of us that are threes or fours. And then there's like, And so it's just for those that aren't huggers, like that physical touch might be hard to actually do. And especially in COVID times, but like, just to know that, like, I'm like, I said, I'm a four and my husband said I was a two. So So there's some discrepancy there, but, um, like I'm not a huge hugger, but I know that I can bless people and like touch them in other ways. So like, I think it's important to kind of realize that. Like I always think back to like the love languages. So like physical touch is not high on my list of love languages. I'm a um, acts of service gal. So like, but if I keep in mind other people's love languages and then I can like touch them using their love languages and like be there for them in that way. I love that. Hey, do you know what my love language is? Um, Physical touch. Well, a little bit, but also mostly like, um, like knitted baby Yodas. Like if someone could just knit me a baby Yoda, that would be really loving. Would it be? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Sorry. What about crocheted baby Yodas? (laughs) Oh, is that what it is? Sorry. (laughs) Yes. A crocheted baby Yoda. I guess maybe. I wonder if I could find somebody to do that. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe they know the photographer that you work for. Maybe. (laughs) We could take pictures of it. (laughs) The disciple chose the rabbi. The rabbi, almost disinterested, accepts their invitation. Jesus was, the, was different. Jesus selected his 
disciples. Jesus chose them. They didn't choose him first. He chose them just like Jesus chose us. The Bible says before the foundations of the world were laid, God chose us to be sons and daughters of God. And then Jesus changed everything. Remember, this is about touch. He changed everything. He said this, you are not my slaves. You are my friends. That is not something rabbi said to their students. So when I heard that, I was thinking like this, it just came into my mind that like, to me, that's like clarifies or really exemplifies the fact that he wants a relationship with us and not necessarily like just a bunch of people that follow him or listen to him um, because they feel like they have to, or they're being forced to. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I feel like, because I felt the same way. Because it, like, it's like, can you, can you imagine if, if there was, if we regard Jesus's ministry, right? Like regard him as a rabbi. So like he's a pastor of a church. And can you imagine the pastor of a church setting up shop, but then like the only people that came were people that he went out and invited, right? Or like he like recruited or he decided on, mm-hmm. like he picked his people. Cause I mean, most people pick a church because, Oh, I really like that pastor because he's funny. Or I like the pastor because he's smart. Or I like the pastor because he's cute or whatever. Like, I feel like a lot of people pick their church family based on that. And what, and what Jesus did is he flipped that upside down. He said, no, I'm picking you. Like there's something in you that I need. There's something in you that fits what I'm trying to do. And I love that model for church where like there's something church is supposed to be doing. Like there's, there's a mission to church and it's not just to be there as an entertainment source for the people that find it, Mm -hmm. but that's how churches were. Like that's how temple was. That's, you know, you, you, you picked your rabbi and then you went and studied underneath him or you attended to his temple on Saturdays or whatever. And so, and that's even how we do church today in the Western world where we're like, Oh, this church is close to my house or this church is where my friend goes or this church is whatever fancy or not fancy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, Church's mission is is more than just being a place where people who like it just come and settle. A long time ago, when we were in uh, the first building that I was in for Life Church, I remember Sean saying something about like how those seats, man, those aren't even your seats. Like those <laughs> those seats aren't for you, right? Those seats are for like who you were when you first came. Mm-hmm. So get out of the seat and like you know go find someone that can fill your seat and. So much of our faith is duplication of trying to like make more of it. Not like in a Norwex kind of way. Is Norwex a thing? Yeah. Is it a thing like a multimedia marketing Kind of, yeah. Yep. So like there's probably a better example, but Norwex (laughs) is just what came to mind. So like, or Shackley. Is Shackley a thing? What's a thing? It was a thing. I don't know. Help me think of a thing right now. What's a thing right now? Like what's a thing that everyone's... Like selling multi-level marketing. Color street nails. Color street nails. Yeah. Right. That it's, that it's, you know, our faith isn't necessarily color street nails. That's a lot. Couldn't have just been Shackley. That would have been a lot easier. I don't know if they're, I think they're still around. I don't oh, know. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So I feel like not in that way, but we, we are supposed to duplicate ourselves and duplicate what we know. And so that's why testimony is such a big deal in our faith. You know, I was just listening to an old, um, uh, an old record from um, Fred Hammond, who's like this, like a gospel singer. And so, and he was, he was talking about how they would have like, like testimony 
services, like where they would just get together and people would just like get up and tell their story, right? Well, if it's not their life story, then at least the story of their week and how God saw them through. And like our testimony is a big deal. The things that we go through are a big deal because it duplicates our faith for other people. Now, it might not duplicate it for everybody. Like I think about you in this way a lot. And so for the, sorry, can I talk about yep, this? Go ahead. For those of you that don't know, uh, Tara, besides being a great, um, person that works for a great photographer and being a great wife and being a great mom, uh, and everything else that she does, she's also, um, uh, a cancer survivor. And I think about like what her testimony is and how that duplicates faith for other people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's something that like it. I almost just said, it's really great that it happened to you. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I don't mean that like how it sounds, right? but like good gravy. Were you good at that? Like you were good at that. I mean, you're good at a lot of things, but like how you handled that did duplicate people's faith. Right. And so like you're going through that crap gave you a perspective and gave you a context that I've already watched you share with other people and have given strength to their faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was not something that you'd choose to go through, but I feel like you can either like wallow in it and like have self pity, I guess. Maybe that's not the best word, but like for me, it was, it was something that I was put into and I didn't have a choice about it, but my choice was how I could like handle it like handle myself through it and I wanted to use it as a way to share my faith and to be encouraging to other people so like I don't know it was just if like through the whole time if my experience could just help one other person in some way then that was it like there had to be a purpose for going through it So, you know, and my husband and I talk about this all the time, like we might not ever see the fruits of that, of what we went through, but I've been blessed that I have been able to see some of that in friends and other people that I've been able to help walk through their journeys, um, going through the same situation. So it's just, yeah, it's, the testimony is a big, a big thing. So it's interesting to see how that like God gives you a chance to share that to yeah. the people he puts in your life when you don't expect it or just seem like coincidences, but you know, it's not, it's yeah, definitely a God thing. For sure. Amway. Amway. Amway is a good example. <laughs> not Shackley. Not Shackley. And Amway is really short, not color cloud designs for nails or whatever you said. That's a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> Anyway, because isn't Amway's thing, like, wasn't one of their selling points, like, listen, you have to buy this stuff anyway, buy it from Amway and it's a better deal or something like that. I feel like that's how Amway sold itself. And so I kind of feel like there's a, there's a parallel there. Is Amway too old? Is that why you're looking at me like that? Like I'm super old and talking about this? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Anyway, (laughs) they would say that. And I feel like you've got to go through life anyway. Mm -hmm. So why would you not go through it? Like with Jesus by your side? Exactly. Like. If even if your most base thing is that I believe in God, I just don't believe in how people worship him or I believe in God, but I just don't understand why bad things happen to good people or I believe in God, but like, I don't understand why there's kids cancer, right? Like you could say all that thing, Mm -hmm. but as soon as you say, I believe in God, but then that I believe in God part, like, um, why would you not want the person that you believe created the universe to be on your team. Right. You know what I mean? So if you have to go through life anyway, 
why not go through life with like the best player ever m- known? You know what I mean? Like why? Yeah. You know, like why not have him on your team? Why would you ever try to go on your, on your own? Or why would you ever try to go it with people that are failures? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like why would you not try to do life with the guy that always wins? Exactly. Well, Jesus. When he's walking and this woman reaches out and touches him, and she touches the hem, the, the seat zit of his talil, the, the, the small tassel on his prayer shawl. When she reaches out and touches that, she is ceremonially and socially unclean because of her bleeding condition. And she is Shomer Nagia. And so when she reaches out and touches Jesus, guess what? She's broken the law. And because of the mob rule and the honor-dishonor culture, historically in the first century, these people in the crowd were immediately going to attack her if they saw that she had touched the Messiah. They would have attacked her. In fact, they would have more than likely taken her to a cliff, put her at the bottom of the cliff, gone to the top with rocks and dropped them upon her until she was gone. A lot of people say we live in a cancel culture, right? I feel like that's a word that the kids are using. If they're not buying Amway, at least they're saying cancel culture, right? Because I feel like Shackley is even older than Amway. So I just feel like Amway would have been okay. Anyway, nevertheless, <laughs> the cancel culture where we're just like, we don't believe in something anymore. So we're just going to like pretend it never happened or we're just going to destroy any evidence of it. And mm-hmm. we do that to people, not just the whole like segments of history, but we do it to people. We'll cancel people. We mm-hmm. ghost them or we gaslight them. Maybe is that an accurate use of gaslighting? I don't know. Making people believe that what they believe isn't actually really a thing. Like I feel like we just do this thing all the time where we want to cancel people. We want to put them at the bottom of a cliff, drop a bunch of stones on them until they no longer exist. Yeah. Like we do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like what you believe or I don't like what you stand for. Or I don't like what you did you know, yesterday yeah. or a year ago or five years ago. So I'm canceling you. Yep. Block them, unfriend them. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I feel like that's our modern day way of like stoning people. Yes. So, you know, we don't necessarily kill them, but we kill them as far as practical sense, right? Yeah. Like, it's, all right, you're just, you're dead to me. Yeah. We mentioned, we were talking about that at church last night, like the modern day, like we don't take people to the cliff and throw stones at them, but like, what do we do? And I, like we talked about it at our table, like I felt like social media was kind of like that. Like you don't physically throw stones at people, but you sit there behind a screen and you throw like word stones at yep. them, you know, yeah. and you're just the keyboard warriors. And it's just that whole mob mentality that I uh, mentioned with the honor dishonor. I feel like we're kind of back at that with, you know, you either agree with me or you don't. Right. And, you know, red or blue, you know, right. it's just, there's no in between, it seems like. Right. Where if, so. you, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. Right. I'm right. You're wrong. No matter what, no matter what we're talking about, politics yeah. or, or COVID or the Packers, or it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like if you, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're an effing idiot. Like yeah. we do that a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're like, I feel like today's world and I'm not trying to be an old man, but I feel like, cause I, I curse a fair amount ish, but like. But I feel like people will like, people like swear because it's, it's okay now to swear. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like what that does is it makes it, it makes like what happens even meaner. Like right. you're an effing idiot. You know, why are you so effing stupid? Like, mm-hmm. why are you so like, and like, it's just like, it's not enough just to like disagree with someone. Now I've got to tell them that they're wrong and I've got to tell them that they're stupid for believing what they believe. Right. And like, how much further do we go then? We don't. My mom, oh, sorry. No, no, please go. <laughs> my mom, like, drilled this into my sister and I growing up. Like, 
you don't have to agree with somebody's opinion, but you have to respect it. Like yeah. they're entitled to their own opinion. You don't have to agree to it. You probably aren't going to change their mind and they're probably not going to change yours, but you have to be respectful to them. So no calling them idiots yeah. and things like that. Like agree to disagree and move on. And it just seems like nobody can do that anymore. It's just, it's crazy to me. Yeah. I don't know if, where it was. I don't know if it was in my pocket church yesterday or if it was downtown, but we were talking about how we keep splitting we keep splitting. So like it used to be like we were split. Not that this is good, but we was we split by like countries, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, like we hate the Germans or oh, we hate the Japanese or oh, we hate whoever we're at war with. Mm -hmm. Right. Korea. Right. Or whatever. And so and we just had like and so we would just we were divided in half that way or thereabouts. But then but like we kept splitting. Like we kept, we would be smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller things. We were so keen on finding the, the differences between us and then, and then making them like polar opposite. Like everything is a polar opposite. Mm -hmm. And so like, there can't be that many poles, right? Not Polacks, right? <laughs> People from Poland, but there can't be that many. We can't have, be so polarized, right? but we have until like, now we're just parties of one, mm -hmm. right? We're like. You and I are sitting across the uh, table from one another, and there's like this clear plastic thing to stop the COVID, I guess. So, um, but like that's how we live our lives. Like we just, we're we're so keen on seeing what's different between me and the other person that I want to know what what my dif difference is, so I I can latch onto that mm -hmm. rather than trying to see like what makes us similar, what makes us the same. When in fact, here's a newsflash: if you're a Jesus person, you have to abide by this. You, like you have to abide by this. We are all made in the image of God, right? So like Joe Biden, image of God, Donald Trump, image of God, that chick in a mask, image of God, like the dude not wearing a mask, image of God, mm -hmm. right? The guy with the Confederate flag on the back of his car, image of God, the black guy, image of God, the Asian chick, image of God, like all these people that we think are different or wrong because they're different from us. Like they're all the image of God. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. Image Deo. Ima, Ima, I don't know. I don't know how to say it in Latin. I always wish I knew how to say things in Latin because I feel like I would be really smart. Right. But I'm not really smart. I'm super dumb. But no, you're not. I just feel like like we've taken the image of God and started dividing it and we've not stopped. Mm -hmm. And so now we're all parties of one and we're mad at the other party, no matter what. Right. And so now we're fighting over everything. You know, like Coke and Pepsi, right? Or, right. You know, like we just, we want to know what the difference is because we want to hate people. Like we want to hate people. We get off on hating people. And I guess I just feel like as people of faith, like that's not what we're called to do at all. Yeah. We're not called to like hate other people. And then again, like you said, your mom, like we're not supposed to, like we don't have to like agree with everybody, but we definitely aren't supposed to be hating them right. for what they believe. And in this season of COVID and politics and everything else, there's a lot of people hating on a lot of people. And if there's people who are not of faith that are hating, I'm definitely not going to jump in and say, oh, I hate you back. Right. Right. Because when Jesus said, love your enemies, I think that's what he was talking about. And if he could love the dudes that were like nailing him to a cross or shredding his back with whips or I don't know, whatever else, if he could hate those people, then I can hate the person that likes like diet right. But that's really disgusting. Diet right. Yeah. Like what the dickens? Like it's Coke, Pepsi, Royal Crown Cola. And then I don't know whatever else comes after that. That's just barbaric. But like even <laughs> Royal Crown is diet right, which is like, what? That's gross yeah. sugar 
juice. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I hate people that drink diet right. I'm just kidding. I totally don't. But that's what we do. Right. And I just, it's wearisome. Like, how can you get through life? Like, aren't you just exhausted every day? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like in my life anyway, if I'm mad at something, that's exhausting to me. And I still do it. Like, I still, like, I'll still keep fussing at something, but it's, it's exhausting. And yet I know that when I love people or show kindness to people, that's not as exhausting to Mm me. Why would we keep just trying to be mean all the time? I don't know. I like what you said, like when, like finding people and like finding that there's similarities with you, but I think there's an importance too in find like looking at people and their differences, because I feel like somebody's differences from me can teach me something or make me stronger too. So just because they think different doesn't mean I have to be like, Oh, I'm not going to associate with you. Like I could learn something from you or, you know, you have different strengths than I have, you know, so I'm going to use, not use you, but like it could be beneficial to have like a relationship. So just to have that, I guess I lost my train of thought. Sorry, now. Cause I just made you do that thing. <laughs> Sorry, because I was thinking, I was trying to look up, here's what I wanted to do, just so you know what's happening behind the scenes, the BTS. Like there's a, there's a, there's a a Bible verse in a letter from Paul where he talks about the parts of the body, right? And how, and I wanted to find it while Tara was talking so I could just say, well, you know, in Ephesians, I could sound like I knew where it was the whole time. But then I, so I made the hand signal for Tara to keep talking, but then that was distracting to Tara. (laughs) So I'm here confessing now that I don't know where it is in the Bible, but there's this place in the Bible where Paul's talking. I think it's Paul. And he's talking about how there's different parts of the body and like the, the body couldn't work if it were made up of a bunch of like eyeballs or a bunch of ears. Like if we were all ears, like that would be like a completely useless, it could hear really well, but it couldn't do anything else. Right. Or if it were all eyes, it could see really well, but it couldn't smell and it couldn't speak and it couldn't hear and it couldn't move and it couldn't touch and it couldn't build and it couldn't, you know what I mean? But if we were all just hands, we could build, but we couldn't see and we couldn't, right. you know what I mean? And so this idea that you were just talking about this, about how we should be celebrating each other's differences because it makes us all better. It makes us as one better. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Like, I don't, I don't like people that are like me. Nope, I do. I love everybody. But like someone's like, if it's just me and a bunch of people that are just like me, like, what am I getting done? I'm not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. I'm not growing. They're not growing. I'm not understanding. They're not understanding. We're just celebrating our sameness, you know, where like the people that are different than me. Like those are the best people in my life. You know, I, it, I'm reminded of a recent, it wasn't a recent podcast earlier this year, we did a podcast, um, uh, called a rabbi, a pastor and a rabbi walk into a cultural crisis. We did that. And then we also did another, wasn't there a special edition of this, a chew on that? Wasn't there a chew on that? Like with Chris Bell and yes, uh, Dave and my friend BJ anyway. And so at, in the really racial part of this year, like just after George Floyd and everything, it was just like a complete, um, disaster. It was like a disaster. And so we were just having some conversations and I was just learning things about what it was like to be like me, except black. And it's not the same as being like me. And like, I learned things, I learned stuff that I hadn't known. If I never sat down to have that conversation, I never would have known that. Right. Like I was confessing to my friend BJ one time, who's a trainer at, uh, a fitness place. Sorry. Synergy fitness. Anyway. So if you need a coach, he's really great. Anyway, 
uh, I was having a conversation with him one time and I, and I, I think I, I mentioned this maybe once before, but like growing up, I never knew that there was like middle-class black people. Like I always thought that black people were either super poor or super rich. They were either like living in really crappy parts of Milwaukee or they were basketball players. Mm -hmm. And so like a middle, like a, like a black guy going to buy a new Honda Accord that didn't make any sense to me at all. Like I thought like they, but that's because of how I grew up, like in a city that didn't really have any kind of diversity to it. And so I never had any conversations with anybody. I never went over to someone's house. I never, I never went out and sought those conversations. And so now late in life at 53, I'm figuring I got to have conversations with people that are different than me because there's this whole part of the world that I have no idea anything about. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I have no idea about it. And so, and again, it's because they're different than me that I'm a, that I'm a broader person, that I have a broader mind, that I have a bigger heart. Mm -hmm. And I never would know that if I didn't like, if I didn't like jump into the diversity, the yeah. different people who are different. And those people also have different opinions and different, I mean, not just different upbringings, but they believe different or they see things different. And why would I not want to know that? Yeah. I feel like that's what, when Jesus was eating with, you know, tax collectors and thieves and prostitutes and whatever, you know, he was, you know, he was with people that were different than him because it, it, it broadened his reach. Mm -hmm. And if we're only trying to reach the people that look like us or think like us or believe like us or, you know, vote like us, we're not, we're not broadening our reach at all. No. We're a, we're a, a thing with a bunch of eyes or a thing with a bunch of ears or a thing with a bunch of hands. And how creepy is that? Yeah. These people, they don't care about her healing. They want justice and they're willing to kill her to get it. But Jesus, oh man, but Jesus looks down upon her, trembling with fear she is. And he says a magical, supernatural, transformative word. What is that word? Look in your scripture, maybe you'll see it. Jesus looks at her and for the first time in scripture says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So, this was the second time that I that I heard this particular piece of that story uh, being pulled out, where Jesus, where Jesus says in front of all the people that are ready to stone this lady, where he calls her daughter, right, and that as the rabbi, like she's protected. Then when he calls her daughter, he's like, oh no, she's with me, and so like all the all the protection that would that they would have or and respect that they would have given Jesus are now applied to that chick, and so. I love that and I get chills off of that because he's calling us all daughter. He's calling us all son, mm -hmm. right? Like the the respect and the power and the attention and the permission that Jesus gets is ours because we are sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. And that gives me chills. And that's something that I never knew my whole life. It's never something I associated with my faith that that. I mean, we talk about the family of God and I don't know, like everything else, but sometimes we say words like that and they just get like all smeared around and mm -hmm. we just kind of like lose the importance of it. But I love that Alan points this out. Like he says for the first time ever in scripture, daughter, like, oh man, I love yeah. that. I love when, I love that he dived deeper into this particular story because like reading through it for me, like you read it and you're like, Oh, it's a miraculous healing. And then you move on, you yeah. know, yep. but like sitting there and breaking it down and how like the culture was and everything and learning this side of it. Like that's pretty amazing to me. And I love like, um, we talk about it in alpha, um, how where the adopt, 
adoptive children yes, of God. Yes. And that, you know, Paul wrote about that in Romans and he was writing in a time of Roman law and being adopted was one of the greatest honors that you can. So being a daughter or a son of God, you're also co-heirs then with Christ. And, right. you know, it's just amazing. And then to, you know, have that applied to then to this scripture and like put that all together was just kind of, like you said, is like, I got goosebumps from yep. it. It was just like, wow. Yeah. It's such a big deal. Yeah. I feel like sometimes we hear the same stories and we, we, as soon as we know what the story is, our, our minds take this shortcut. Like we just finish the story in our head and then we move on. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've heard this before. It's the one where she touches the cloak and then she's healed. Right. So then we just, now we're back on our phones and we're checking to see what the prices are for something at target or where, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of forget about it because we say, Oh, we, I know this story, yep. but finding the context of these stories is so important. Like, and that's why I feel like you know, I've always loved how Sean does that. And so obviously, you know, Alan does the same thing. And I just feel like it's such an important part of learning, not just that we memorize Bible stories or even memorize Bible verses. Mm-hmm. I feel like a much more bigger task for us is to understand the context of the story and what Jesus was saying and what Jesus was doing, because it's more than just, and then Jesus healed this chick, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, this idea that he called her daughter, right? is like, means that it completely changes the story. It does. And like, I, you know, I just, I wonder if, you know, like you're listening and, you know, you feel like this is just another church thing and you have to stop looking at it as something that you already know. Cause you don't know. I don't know. I don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know Jesus, but like, I feel like there's so much that I don't know. And the more that I find out that I never knew changes how I understand and how I know that it makes me want to know more. Mm-hmm. And that's for me, that's the Jesus journey. That's, that's the thing is trying to, Oh my gosh, I got to know more about this. Cause this is fantastic. Yeah. Why didn't anyone tell me this? Jesus wasn't just like this guy with a good beard, you know, and great hair that walked on water. Like we just, and we try to write everything off. Like we already know it. We see things as icons instead of things that were actually are. And I, I don't ever want to like, just look at Jesus as like a story I already know. Mm-hmm. I think too, it's important, like for me, once I started like doing a little research and digging a little deeper into like the context and things like that, it definitely helped me understand the story better, but it can also be intimidating, especially if you're like newer on your Jesus journey. So like I didn't go out and buy like a study Bible that has like the Hebrew words and everything. You know, I started out small, like who wrote this and when were they writing and who were they writing to just those smaller details so that I could understand like the context of the stories and situations better. And then, you know, with Pastor Sean's teachings and learning, you know, the different words and the the culture of the time, it just makes everything come like more to life. It's not just a storybook. It's like, it's real. Yeah. That's so good. I dig that. Okay, that's it. We're out of sound bites. All right. That went really fast. It did go fast. It was fun. It was fun. I'm glad that you were here. Can you come back again again? I can, yes. That would be fantastic. Love to. Listen, you guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it uh, with uh, friends or family that you fight, feel like might benefit uh, from hearing these words. We also encourage you and your family and friends uh, to subscribe to this podcast and all of your favorite podcast channels, including... Um, Apple and Amazon and Google Play and Spotify, like we're everywhere. And so um, we just feel like there's such a great benefit to not just listening to a message, but digging deeper into a message and, and learning about it through other people's eyes, because that's 
really where it's at. So thanks for joining us for this. We'll see you. I, I'm only going to see someone else next time, but we'll visit with you and we'll talk to you the next time. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Oh, 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 o